You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Well, today is entitled The Flesh versus the Spirit. And I'm going to pray in a minute. The Flesh versus the Spirit. And I'm sharing this here. And then I'm sharing the same theme uh, at 2 p.m. at the ACC Tongue in Church. Um, but it's two different messages. So if you were here and you went there, uh, it's going to be developed. So two different messages, but the same theme. So it reminds me of a little mini conference today, <laughs> whoever uh, comes along. So, uh, Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your word and for your power today. We need your power, and we want to do everything in your spirit, Lord. We want to do it in your spirit. We want to also hear your word in the spirit, not just in our own flesh. So teach us between the, the difference between the flesh and the spirit and do a mighty work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can I hear an amen? Amen. 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 Thanks. And if you could put your hands on your hearts, please, and pray this nice and loud with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's get into this. Today we're starting with Psalm 145, verse 1 and 2. And this is an infographic I made this week. And I specifically made it for the church that I'm going to be sharing out this afternoon because one of the things they do is they, ha- they work through the lectionary, which has different uh, passages of Scripture each week. And so this week falls on Psalm 145. And so I was... Uh, intrigued by it, and I began to translate the first two verses. So let me read this to you, Psalm 145, 1 and 2. I will lift you high, my God the King. I will bless your name forever and continually. I will lift you high, my God the King. I will bless you, I will bless your name forever and continually. That's the first verse. Through every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and continually. And that's repeated the second time. And the picture I had here is God overall like a, a mountain, like a mountain peak. So I'm gonna read that again. And then I'm gonna lead you in a declaration. I will lift you high, my God the King. I will bless your name forever and continually. Through every day, I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and continually. Amen. 
So this is what I'd like us to declare. And this is, when I was reading this psalm, this is what I, uh, one of the things I got out of it is this declaration that I wrote. So you, I'm going to say the one line and then you can repeat after me. You are king over me. Not my flesh, not the world, nor the evil one. Only you are king over me. Not my feelings. Or, or it should be, my feelings are not my God. My thoughts are not higher than your thoughts. And my desires are not Lord over me. You alone are my king. Amen? Amen. There's a little devotion as we begin. There, there are two ways to live. One is in the flesh, and the other is in the spirit. Two ways. One is in the flesh, and the other is in the spirit. Now, the one that is in the flesh is a broad way. And the one that is in the spirit is a narrow way. That's the narrow way that Jesus was talking about. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. This is our, our main passage for this week. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts or the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This goes further. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Amen? Amen? Paul's passion is that those who believe in Jesus would be the people of God. Not merely in name, but in fruit. Paul is not first and foremost concerned that they get into heaven but rather that they reflect God's image and likeness on earth. Of course, inheriting the kingdom of God is important. But even more important to Paul is that they reflect God's image and likeness on earth. That is, the church, his people. This is only possible if they live in the spirit. 
It is not possible if we do not live in the Spirit. So now we have to understand what does it mean to live in the Spirit? What does it mean to live in the flesh? Paul gives us some description. He gives us a description of what it is to uh, do works in the flesh and what it is to have fruit that comes from the Spirit. And the only way it's possible to be the people of God is if we live in the Spirit. In Rebecca's, in Rebecca's womb, there was a great struggle. Jacob and Esau were wrestling inside. Do you remember the story? In the same way, the spirit and the flesh conflict within us. Choose the spirit and you'll have life. But if you let the flesh, the Esau within, win, you'll experience death. And so here we have this, this struggle we remember that Esau chose something that was fleshly and he gave up his inheritance. Do you know it was supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau according to the firstborn? So you have, it's supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Esau was the one who was meant to inherit the blessing. But you never hear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, do you? You hear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Jacob wanted the blessing and Esau said, I'll, I'll sell you my blessing. I'll give it to you for that, pot, for that pot of soup that you're making, that stew that you're making, that Jacob was making. And so Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised his birthright and he lived for the flesh and the appetites of his flesh. And so the inheritance, the birthright, went to Jacob. And so Jacob represents living in the spirit. Esau represents living in the flesh, living for the now, for the appetites of now, rather than valuing what we have been given by God and the promises and the covenant we've been given by God. So what does it mean to live in the flesh? It means living by our own strength, desires, and wisdom. We see that Esau gave up his birthright because he lived for his own desires, his own appetites. So what does it mean to live in the flesh? It means living by your own strength, desires, and wisdom. And many people are trying to live the Christian life and even do the work of God in the flesh. They're trying to do it in their own strength, desires, and wisdom. Abraham was given that great vision of all of the stars. So shall your offspring be. But then he was tempted to bring about the word of God in his flesh by, uh, by uniting with Hagar. He united with Hagar, and then, of course, they gave birth to Ishmael, but God didn't want it like that. He wanted it through Abraham and Sarah, and he wanted it through the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, a miracle, not their own flesh bringing about the promises of God, but the Spirit of God. Do you see this? I need you to give me a little feedback, a little input, so I know that you're with me. So living in our own flesh, we can do good things in our own flesh. You can read the Bible in your own flesh. You could do good works in your own flesh. You could try to bring about the promises of God in your own flesh. You can also do some quite hideous things in your flesh too. But what I want to bring out here is that the flesh has two sides. It has a good side that looks good and everybody will praise you like they praise the Pharisees. 
And then there's the bad side where people would frown on you because the flesh is uh, uh, the, e uh, the appetites of evil, so to speak. Here I want to especially warn us like I did a few weeks ago that we do not want to be deceived that if we're looking good and impressive to others that we're actually living in the spirit. What are the works of the flesh? Galatians 5, 19 through 21. We just read it before. And there's something I want us to see here, and I've, I've made a list of them. First, the works of the flesh. Paul lists sexual sins, sexual immorality. He's talking about fornication, adultery there, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Those are the first three things he mentions as the works of the flesh. Yeah, but it's, it's sex outside of marriage. Sex outside of a, a, a God-given marriage. So that is sexual immorality. Thank you, Anna, for clarifying that. Spiritual sins, spiritual sins. Idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry and witchcraft. He mentioned idolatry, worshiping on the gods, and witchcraft. Then we have all the relational sins. And, and what I want to emphasize here is this is the bulk of what Paul is addressing. And this is the bulk of his concern is all these relational sins. So we have hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. So there we have one, two, three, let's say. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. Eight things. And they have to do with things that we don't expect to be sins of the flesh, so to speak. They have to do with discord, division, strife, being jealous with one another, fighting with one another, hatred in our hearts toward one another, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy. This is as bad as sexual immorality, and witchcraft, and idolatry. Are you, are you with me here? It's, it's the, so to speak, fruit of the same tree, the tree of the flesh. And then we have the excessive sins, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So we may think, well, I just don't like a brother in my heart. I hate him. Somebody goes around trying to bring division to the church. We may think, oh, that person's a spiritual person because they pray. Uh, but they go around to everybody causing division, causing strife, speaking against brothers and sisters. Uh, that is in the same list of sins as drunkenness and orgies and witchcraft and sexual immorality. Are we seeing this? So because God desires his people to be reflecting his image and his likeness. Moving forward, here's the issue, and this a few times that we've been talking about this. Here's the issue. We all want grace for ourselves, but we don't want to give grace to others who hurt us. And this was Jonah's struggle. In Bible school, we've been reading Jonah this week. This was Jonah's struggle. He didn't want the Assyrians who caused Israel so much pain to receive God's compassion and grace. 
And so he was angry that God forgave them and, and saved them. And the judgment didn't come upon them. He didn't want the Assyrians who caused Israel so much pain to receive God's compassion and grace. Jonah 4, 1 through 3. Our flesh wants people to get what they deserve. <laughs> Our flesh wants people to get what they deserve. Live in this way and you'll also get what you deserve. The full weight of the law, which is death. Paul warned us that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it had to do with hatred and jealousy, and we're upset that one person gets something more than someone else, and they don't deserve it. This whole philosophy or way of life is the way of the flesh. So again, I just need to repeat this. We all want grace for ourselves. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. For me, that saved a wretch like me. But not you, you deserve the full weight of the law. <laughs> and so this is, I love the song, Amazing Grace. And so I'm just being humorous here, but... I'm bringing out how we, how we twist things. Our flesh wants people to get what they deserve. Live this way, and you'll also get what you deserve, which is the full weight of the law, which is death. So there's two paths before us. There's the path of the Spirit, which is the path of, of grace and forgiveness and living by the power of the Spirit, and there's the path of the flesh where... We're doing things in our own strength, and we do not have God's heart for one another. And so we may, it, we may say, well, if they do this, I'll forgive them, but if they do that, I won't forgive them. And we have different levels. But the cross dealt with every single sin. Every single sin is meant to be forgiven, and we're... Uh, called to intercede and pray for enemies. So it's not that God wants that person who is hurting you to keep on doing the wrong thing. He wants you to join in his heart and get his grace, forgive them, and pray for them to be delivered. Pray for them to be set free. Pray for them to come out of the pit that they're in. And when they hurt you, and it's a legitimate hurt, not just, oh, you hurt my feelings, you said something that hurt my feelings. It's a bit more than that and they hurt you, then what you do is realize it's a trigger to say, this person needs more prayer. <laughs> this person needs more of God's mercy and grace in their life. <laughs> yeah, ask God to give you that heart because here's, here's, here's the thing about grace is grace is an unmerited empowerment, an, an unmerited empowerment. We need God's grace to forgive. We are not forgiving in our flesh. We are forgiving by the power of the Holy Spirit. What God is calling us to do is be intimate with him. So we are not blessing people in our own flesh, our own strength. We're doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. This is the difference. The only way to deal with the flesh is to let the Spirit crucify it. You can't crucify it by yourself or in your own power. You work with the Spirit, and you let the Spirit crucify it. You can't suppress the flesh. You can't hide it. Well, you can try to hide it, but it'll be there. 
You can't suppress it, hide it, or make a treaty with it. Our flesh is like the Gibeonites that Joshua encountered. Remember the Gibeonites? You know, they came to Joshua all ripped up in ragged clothes. Oh, we come, we've come from a long way. <laughs> Look at us. And they examine everything. They examine their food. They examine their clothes. They examine all the things. And they, whoa, they have come from a long way. Now, here's the thing. If they didn't come from a long way, Joshua uh, was meant to put them to death if they were part of the Canaanite land. And so they were trying to trick Joshua and the Israelites, and they appeared like they were old and rugged and... We need, we need mercy. And the flesh will be like that, you know, come limping to you. Oh, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. <laughs> the Gibeonites appeared other than who they really were. They pleaded for Israel's help. Joshua was, was meant to put them to death, but instead he made a covenant with them. And your flesh will also try to deceive you. But the only place for it is on the cross. Are you with me here? It's not suppressing the flesh. It's not making a treaty with the flesh. It is putting it to death on the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So now what does it mean to live in the Spirit? We've been touching on this. What does it mean to live in the Spirit? It means walking empowered by God's life-giving presence. When you live in the Spirit, you live by the Spirit's strength, desires, and wisdom. You live in the realm of Jesus' resurrection, life, and power amid this world of decay and death. I'll repeat that again. Because it's so important. To live in the Spirit means walking empowered by God's life-giving presence. When you live in the Spirit, you live by the Spirit's strength, desires, and wisdom. You live in the realm of Jesus' resurrection, life, and power amid this world of decay and death. And there's more. Living in the Spirit doesn't just mean I've received God's grace, but rather I've received God's grace and I'm actively giving His grace to others, even if they've hurt me. Again, repeating what we mentioned before. So living in the Spirit means you are receiving God's grace, but you're receiving God's grace for a purpose, and that is to actively give His grace to others even if they've hurt me. Now, this is the thing. It's more easy for us to give grace to somebody that we don't know. Say it is uh, some a drug addict and they haven't hurt us, but we know they're in trouble. Easier to give grace to them but have somebody that has hurt us personally <laughs> and they've done several things wrong and then it's harder for us to give grace for them. It's harder for us to give grace to them. And yet, living in the Spirit, we give grace to them. Now, I'm not saying here that if somebody is abusing you, you don't set boundaries. Uh, that is not what is being meant. Sometimes you got to stay away from a person, um, but you pray for them. You have God's heart for them. You're praying for them. And, but uh, if you're going to get rid of everybody that hurts you in your life, you're going to get rid of everybody. 
It's very popular, very popular, you know. Get rid of all the people that are hurting you in your life the, on the internet, you know. Get rid of them. You need to, you know, you're, you're, you're a queen, you know, you're a princess. You shouldn't be treated like that. Well, guess what? <laughs> your, your marriage won't survive like that. Your family won't survive like that. Your church won't survive like that. The only way we... Uh, really live and, and reflect God and have healthy marriages and churches as if we're constantly operating in grace. It's impossible to live like God's family without living by the Spirit. So it's impossible to live like God's family and be God's family without living by the Spirit. So the way the Lord has geared this whole thing up, so to speak, is if you don't do it by the Spirit, it is impossible. It may look good, it may appear good, it may seem to get praise from other people, but unless you're doing it by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, it is impossible to be God's family, God's people. The kingdom, the kingdom creates community. Community is God's net to catch those submerged in the world's system and sins. Without a community connected by the Spirit through love, the lost will not be drawn out of the darkness into the light. And so why community is so important is because the community is the net that God is making. And if that net has holes in it, it's going to mean you're not going to catch the fish. And the fish are the people in the world, they're lost, they're submerged in the world's system and sins, and they need to be pulled out. So without a community connected by the Spirit through love, the lost will not be drawn out of the darkness into the light. Are you with me? Do you see how all these things are connected? The kingdom creates community. And we talked in the beginning of this message about God being king. So the kingdom means that God is king over us. If we are in the kingdom, God is the king. He's the king over us. He reigns over us. And when he reigns over us, he creates community. And that community is like a net, all connected. It's God's net to catch those submerged in the world's system and sins. And without a community connected by the Spirit through love, the lost will not be drawn out of the darkness into the light. And this is one of the main ways I got saved. So some people brought me to church, and I was a young teenager. And I saw that the, lo the love that people had for one another, I saw the, the family, and I said to my parents and other people, I said, I've never seen this in my whole life, this, this love, this family, this care for one another. And this drew me into, this drew me into the kingdom. And this is God's way. You'll find it throughout the New Testament. And this is why Paul is so passionate about the community because the community is the net to catch the souls. And so this is what Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Allie was praying this while we were coming to church this morning, and it's a blessing to have Allie with us. <laughs> For those listening to this online, we have two adult kids, Gideon and Allison, and then we have two children that are not adults. And sometimes we don't see the adult children as much as we would like. But we, love, we love Gideon and we love Allison. Uh, here, again, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's our last verse. And now just a, two, two acronyms or, or acrostics, properly acrostics, acrostics about the flesh and the spirit. And I don't have time to get into the details of this, but I may this afternoon. And you're all welcome to come if you want to come. We have the flesh versus the spirit. What is the flesh? The flesh is fallen, lustful, egocentric, sinful, and hidden. Enough about the flesh, but I, we need to expose the, the flesh so that we know the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And when you have these things operating in your life, then you say, oh, it's a, it's a warning sign. It's a red flag to say, oh, I'm operating in the flesh. I need to crucify the flesh and walk in the spirit. So what is the spirit like? And the first thing I want to mention, and it goes with how we opened the message today, is those who live in the Spirit are submitted. They're submitted to God as their king. So those who live in the Spirit continually submit their mind, their will, their desires, everything. They continually submit it to the Lord. One of the most dangerous things is a Christian that is unsubmitted because they have all this knowledge of stuff, but... It's not in constant submission to God, and so it ends up confusing them, hurting them, uh, building up pride rather than love. So let's all be submitted. And then next, the Spirit is pure. He's the Holy Spirit, and so His desires are pure. When you walk in the Spirit, you're intimate with God. It's walking with God. It's this intimacy with the Holy Spirit, which is intimacy with Jesus. Those who are in the Spirit are relational. They relate to God, but they also relate to one another. So instead of hatred, it's love and joy. We, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's not our own personal joy. It's our joy in one another. So if you had the fruit of the Spirit, I take joy. When Chris came in the door, I rejoice because I see my brother. When Irene comes in, I see my sister. I take joy in her. I take joy and see my family every morning. That is the fruit of the Spirit because the Spirit takes joy. He delights in us, as we were hearing from Anne's prophecy. He so delights in us. And that delight should be in us. So when we have the Spirit in us and we are submitted to the Holy Spirit and letting Him work, uh, we have the same delight that God has for His children. We have it also for His children. And then 
the next I here, as we spell spirit, is inspired by God. So those who are in the spirit are inspired by God. And lastly, those who live in the spirit, uh, the spirit ends up being transformative. The spirit is transformative. And the spirit's whole goal is to transform us into the image of Jesus. So the Spirit's ministry in us is transformative. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, Father, right now we come and we submit our minds to you, our hearts to you, our emotions to you. We're praying that we would live in continual submission to you throughout the week, after church, <laughs> all throughout the week, that we would be a people of the Spirit, who, who breathe in the Spirit, who live in the Spirit, who walk in the Spirit, who constantly rely on the Spirit. And when we're drifting into the realm of the flesh, draw us back, Lord, draw us back, Lord. And let us be the people that you have desired us to be. I pray for a great love to increase and grow in our own fellowship, that you'd bless this family and this community, that you would do mighty things in us and through us, and that you would receive all the glory and the honor and the praise. Thank you, Jesus.